This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, March 3rd, 2013. Jesus Unconventional. Good morning, Connection Church. I love to hear that piano. Yeah. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for coming today. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for this day. It's a day that you've made, a day that we can really be glad that we're a part of it. I would ask God that everybody that's in here, that they would be able to set aside those things that they're concerned about or that they are worrying about right now and set them aside and focus on your word, this scripture that we're going to take a look at today. And I pray that we'll leave a little bit differently than when we came in. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. And so we continue to travel with Jesus to the cross. We continue to look at who Jesus was by what he said and what he did. Two weeks ago we saw and uh, shared that Jesus was approachable and then Last week, we shared that he was engaging. This morning, we're going to be looking at how Jesus is unconventional. Unconventional. You might think that's kind of odd, but Jesus was unconventional. That means that Jesus did not always conform to the rules or the standards of the day. He was a nonconformist. He was countercultural. We read in the Bible... Uh, in the New Testament, there are four books. They're called the Gospel. It's the life and ministry of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus repeatedly does things, says things that are contrary to what we would naturally do and to what the customs were of that day. Over and over and over again, Jesus not only surprises, but he angers and frustrates those around him, especially the religious leaders of the day. That might seem odd, but he made the religious leaders so upset because he was so frequently unconventional in his approach to so many things, not only the things of a spiritual nature, but day-to-day realities as well. So in the, in the 12th chapter of Luke, we find Jesus speaking to a crowd of thousands. At one point, someone in the crowd shouts out, telling Jesus to tell the man's brother to divide the inheritance with him. Don't you sometimes marvel at what people look to do? They want him to be an arbitrator here in a domestic dispute about an inheritance, uh, kind of a lawyer type. And Jesus pointed out that, is that what you guys are expecting me to do here? Anyway, he then goes on, as was often his custom, to share a parable. In this particular case, it was about a, a, a fairly greedy guy because he was feeling that that uh, guy with the inheritance was looking about how he could be greedy about everything. He uh, wanted to make sure that, that those in the crowd knew that life does not consist of, of the abundance of possessions that we're able to gather. So he shares the parable about a, a rich guy who had a large amount of land, and a, at a particular time, he, he, an abundant crop came in, extravagant amount of crop came in, such that he had 
much more than he was able to contain. His, his barns, his warehouses couldn't contain it all. And so he had a choice. He could either like give it away. Well, he wasn't going to do that. Uh, so he wanted to figure out how he could keep it all for himself. So he tore down <clears throat> his existing barns and built bigger, larger barns in which to store all this grain and the goods that he had. And then Jesus shares this that he said to himself in the parable. Found in the message version of Luke chapter 12. Self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then, God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die and your barn full of goods? Who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. You know, it's kind of conventional thinking, I would say. <laughs> self, you've done well, you've got a maid, now you can retire, take it easy and have the time of your life. We would like to be able to say that, most of us, wouldn't we? Ah, it's time. I've, you've done well, you can take it easy and retire. Get all you can, he was thinking. I'm going to keep it to myself in order to take care of me. That's the challenge. I'm going to rebuild the barns in order to be able to house this abundance that came in from the field. And You know, this thinking is not far from what the world would teach us, right? We live in a culture that says, who's number one, right? And who am I supposed to take care of? Number one. And uh, I'm in charge is what we're com constantly bombarded with. You're the boss. You're in charge of your, of your situation. If it is to be, it's up to me. I, and uh, I used to be in sales. That was one of the mottos. If it is to be, it's up to me. I'm the master of my universe is what the culture we live in. That would be a pretty standard kind of a byline in the culture we live in. Well, on one hand, there is absolutely nothing wrong with planning for tomorrow. I hope not if you've seen my calendar or my phone with everything in there. There's nothing wrong with looking ahead. There's nothing wrong with saving. In fact, we're, we're told to save money. But here's the problem. The challenge is when we get consumed with all of that, when that becomes almost an idol in our lives, and we get concerned about these things, focused on these things so much that we begin to worry about these things like it's not enough it's not enough got to do more it's not enough and then we kind of flip into this mindset where we become self-reliant and then it might even become we might even become self-absorbed because we believe that it's not going to happen unless we do it ourselves and that god is not even big enough to handle some of that so the challenge is that we forget that God, the Most High God, the creator of the universe, has all these promises in store for each one of us, and we sort of disregard that and focus on our own self, capital S, self. Mm. And then Jesus goes on to share with the disciples some more. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Let me say that again. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? 
since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So do we have any worriers in the house today? Yeah. Now this group says it proudly. The last group was a little hesitant. Yeah. This group, man, yeah. they put them up high and fast. That was you good. know, some of you, some of us have been given the gift of worrying. <laughs> you know, we just can't help it. It just comes easy. You are very good at it. I have to admit, you're a very good worrier. I am. You do have the gift. I, I do. do have the gift. I'm not really proud of that. <laughs> but anyway, somebody's got to do the worrying. And I'm horrible at it, so. Yeah, yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to do the worrying. We talked about Mary and Martha last week, like somebody's got to do the work, somebody's got to do the worrying, so if it's your gift, hey, we have a responsibility to use our gifts, right? Amen. Wrong. <laughs> not in this case. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because worry, true worry, I'm not talking about concern. I'm talking about True worry is not good for us. You might have heard of Carrie Timboom. She was a, a survivor of the Holocaust and um, just a wonderful writer. She wrote this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Well, why don't, why don't we say that together? Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And so worry truly is a burden. And Jesus wants to relieve you of that burden. When he says this, he says, do not worry about your life. The challenge is that word worry. Um, the definition, we looked it up, and even in the dictionaries, it, it's a wide range. Like, if you look it up in, uh, in the American Heritage Dictionary, it's like, to feel uneasy or concerned about something. That's, that's pretty mild, it seems. And then at the other end, you have dictionary.com that says, to torment oneself with, uh, or suffer from the... So you get from feeling uneasy to tormenting. That's a pretty wide range, wouldn't you say? I'm, let me offer this, uh, maybe a kind of in-between, uh, an alanization of those two. Um, uh, something like this, to allow something to preoccupy or consume to the point of moderate to severe distraction. Eh? Eh? Yeah. We're going to submit that yeah. to Webster. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, um, worry is more than just concern, or mild concern over something, more than just being slightly anxious or a little bit uneasy. Uh, this, this type of worry we're talking about this morning actually gets in the way as it keeps us from being able to, to focus on what we need to focus on, gets in the way because it distracts us from being able to do what we need to do. We've read, and maybe you have heard this as well, that actually 95% of what we worry about never comes to pass. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, yeah. And then there's that 5%. And that 5% often is not as bad as we worried about. So we're really spending an awful lot of time worrying about things that never come to pass. And why do we spend so much time and energy? It takes energy to worry. So, you know, let me tell you, it takes a lot of energy to worry. In fact... Sometimes we worry and it 
it makes us feel ill. It causes physical problems. Why do we get so upset? And sometimes we get upset because our family and our friends are not willing to worry as much as we think that they should worry. Yeah, I mean, guilty as charged. It's like they don't care uh, as much as we care. Guilty as charged. Yeah. The thing is, you know, I don't think worry and caring (coughs) are synonymous. In other words, if you say, oh, you're not worried about it. Well, that doesn't mean you don't care. It's, they're, they're different things. Worry and, and caring are not the same. And it's kind of ironic when you think about it. Jesus asks, who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? And since you can't do that little thing, adding an hour to your life, why do you worry about the rest? Um, the truth is, worrying actually, instead of adding an hour to it, might detract an hour, might take an hour off of your life. If worrying causes you high blood pressure, if worrying uh, lowers your defenses against illness, against disease, it might uh, take an hour off your life if it causes you not to get good restful sleep, allowing your body to get what it needs to refresh and get charged up for the next day. So rather than adding an hour, it might do the very opposite and take time off of your life. So true confession here you know i keep thinking i give it over to god i give it over to god i pray i read and i've been dreaming an awful lot about things around here you know i dream that you know the nursery isn't filled up with people serving and there are people there waiting or that you know something goes wrong in 252 or or i think about you know, people and pray for you. I guess I do it in my sleep because it just seems like right now my mind is consumed when I'm sleeping with worry. So that's a big sign to me that I need to work on this. And I don't know if any of you ever experienced that kind of thing, but that's a clear sign that something's out of whack. Well, we read in Luke chapter 12, Uh, some words of Jesus, and they're words that are are pretty convicting to me. Maybe they will be to you as well. Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Mm. Uh, That last little phrase is a little challenging, isn't it? It's a little tough to hear. (coughs) You of little faith. Um, So what he says here, maybe this worry has something to do with some faith issues. That's not to say that if you worry that you're faithless, that's, I don't think, the intention there. But, but the challenge is this, do, do we truly believe God's in control? I mean, we say it, we sing it, we, we give lip service to it, we might even mildly believe it, but do we really with our gut, do we really with our lives believe that this God of the cosmos can take care? Do we believe the God who put every star in the sky can take care of things better than me who can't get things right half the time? Do we really believe? That makes sense, doesn't it? That would logically say, well, yeah, duh. But do we really believe it? You know, even at the times, here's the tough time. 
When we're unsure about the future, unsure about what God has in store, we're unsure about what's coming next, do we truly think God's in control? Because faith is easy if everything is like we thought it was going to be. That's not faith. You know, the challenge is when it's different than what you thought. Because truly, faith, God, God gives us the blessing after we step out in faith. It's not before. Yeah. Um, here's the real challenge. Um, is our faith depending on us being able to control the situation ourselves? being able to call the shots and to know what's coming next. Is, is that real? Well, oh, I'm faithful as long as it's exactly like I had planned, you know. I don't think so. Faith is what is, is believing is un, in what's unseen and what's not known, not, what, not what's known. Uh, as they say, you know, the funny thing is, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plan. Because <laughs> it often isn't what you thought it was going to be. So we say today that Jesus is unconventional because Jesus says, quit worrying, give it to me. You know, it's very conventional thinking to kind of lean into the culture and to worry about things that actually people like, sometimes it feels like they tell us to worry, like what's wrong with you? So we need to give it to God. That's very, very unconventional. You know, there's... Um, there's something to that, though, because when we do that, there really is a flood of peace and of, of assurance. I love it when God like, um, yeah, gives me something in an unexpected place for what we're going to use on Sunday. This week, I'm re um, I was looking through Facebook, and there was something on there. It was really interesting. It, it talked about a, a glass where not whether it's half empty or half full. You know, that's not the thing. But this one was... How heavy is this glass of water? Anybody want to take a guess? Half pound. Okay, somebody, the first two servers said a pound. So half pound, any other guesses? I'm sorry? Wow. She yeah. was on Facebook too. Did you read the thing on Facebook? Good job, because you're exactly right. It's not about the weight. Actually, it's the weight, W-A-I-T. <laughs> it's about the time. That's what it is. Because, see, if I hold this glass for a minute, that's not really that heavy. Hold it for an hour, <laughs> it's starting to ache a little bit. What if I hold this thing here all day? My arm's going to get kind of numb, kind of paralyzed. What if it's more than a day? What if I held it for... My arm would be ready to fall off, and I probably would lose total feeling. It would be, like, paralyzed, wouldn't it? kind of how worry is. If we hold it for a minute, eh, it's not that big a deal. Hold it for an hour, starting to feel it, starting to ache a little bit. We hold that worry all day long or several days, it can absolutely paralyze us, can it? It can absolutely paralyze us. It can control us. Absol we think we're controlling because we got worry, so we're, it's the absolute opposite. It's got us by the throat by the throat. And, and you know, and we, could, uh, we were going to get a big basin here and just pour it. That wouldn't have been a cool one, just pour it out. And, oh, wow. That's, but the trouble is, if I pour it out, I still got this glass. And if I keep holding the glass, I still got that weight, don't I? Just because it's empty of water, it's still, still going to get heavy. 
and heavy and heavy. So I've got to actually set that whole thing down and kind of walk away from it, don't I? Yeah. So, you know, let's get real. How do we really do that? It's easy to set a glass down, isn't it? Yeah, it is easy to set a glass down, but to set our worries down, to set those things that really trouble us, how do we do that? You know, we talk about this a lot. It's through spiritual disciplines, those things that we do every day that helps us um, do life. You know, if we, if we call on it like, oh, I'm going to try this, it's, you know, we find ourselves really working hard, but if we really get into the habits spiritually and be disciplined about our prayer, about reading the Bible, about meditating or thinking about what we read, about being in a small group to help, you know, be in a fellowship. That's so good for us, to be in a Christian fellowship of men or women or couples or whatever that looks like, to worship together, to spend time. God did not create us to be lone rangers. God created us and is very clear that sitting in front of our TV with the TV evangelist is not what he wants, but he wants us to be together in community. Our spiritual discipline for March is fasting. Give it a try in your connector that you would have gotten online or there's a copy out in the lobby if you, you know, don't have computer access. There's there's some suggestions on how to practice that spiritual discipline. But putting all that together helps us release, give up our worry. There's a Christian writer, he's, he's a preacher of Saddleback Church, Rick Warren. Anybody read Purpose Driven Life? Yeah, awesome book. Anyway, he also wrote a lot of other things. One thing is called The Purpose of Christmas. I love this line that he has in that. The more you pray, the less you panic. The more you worship, the less you worry. I love that because I love to worship. And when I'm dancing or jumping around and you're thinking I'm a, a crazy woman, I am a crazy woman. I'm crazy for Jesus. And when I'm doing that, I, you know, all that goes away. All that goes away. I encourage you to try it. It really is such a beautiful uh, release, and it helps just for a moment. You know, get rid of that. That's what God wants for us. Of course, your worship doesn't have to just be here. No, I, you know, I do it other it, times, Well, too. I mean, it can be in the car where you're worshiping yeah. with your eyes open. Yeah. You know. <laughs> in other words, it doesn't have to be in, just in a little five-minute, two-minute right. little song here but it can be all day when you're focused on God and worshiping in, in a variety of ways, through prayer, through scripture, through song, through dance, through whatever it might be. I love the way Jesus kind of wraps this section of scripture up. I love, I love Eugene Peterson's translation of this. He, he's written the Bible. He's kind of paraphrased it in something called The Message. It's very readable, kind of in our kind of language, but I love how he, he wraps this up, what Jesus shares at the, uh, near the end of chapter 12 in Luke. Here's what he says. He says, he says, what I'm trying to do here 
is to get you to relax. Not, not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. You catch that? Don't be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find all your day human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. And here's the kicker. Here's the one we've got to take home with us. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. The Father wants to give each and every one of you, each and every one of us, the very kingdom, God's kingdom itself. Wow. That's wow. such a great promise found in Scripture. And we get it here on earth. We don't have to wait until we see God face to face in heaven. It's right here. Have you ever seen a glimpse of the kingdom? You know, have you ever felt a touch of love? That's what God wants for each one of us, for us to be able to take that journey with him. That's what Lent, this season, is all about, to journey with Jesus to the cross. When we get to the cross, to just lay it out. But we don't even have to wait until we get there. We're doing it right here, right now. Be bold. Be unconventional. Give your worry to the one who came for you so that you can do that. That's the good news in our lives, that he came so that we might be free, unbound, living a life of joy no matter what. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that there's no place where we can be, that you're not, that there's nothing that we have in our lives that you can't handle. Thank you, God, for your son Jesus who came for each one of us. We pray this in your most holy and awesome name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.